The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I didn't forget. I forgot. I was trying to talk to you about it today, and then I forgot. So I'm glad you remembered so that I didn't forget again. <laughs> All right, we are back talk about the Bucks and the Brewers today and I said it in in my group of uh, Bucks writers because I write for fan sided for the Bucks that I'm gonna need a heart exam after this series oh my god yeah <laughs> it's so physical and you know you never know which team's gonna make the three-pointers what which way the ball is gonna bounce uh, it's it's been a it's been a really good series. I know that we lost two games and they were heartbreaking, mm-hmm. but you know all, everything aside, it's been a really really good basketball series. I think I think once the refs you know take the refs out of it because they're going to be mm-hmm. inconsistent anyways. You take them out of it, I think we got some good basketball. This is what playoffs is about, in my opinion. I could do with a little less flopping because it's seriously it's really annoying. Like like last night when Drew Holiday stole the ball from Marcus Smart and he just like jumped and like starfished in the middle of the air. It's like really and and I had Celtics fans telling me he doesn't flop. They typed that on their phone and said Marcus Smart doesn't flop. I was like, are you serious, bro? <laughs> what up, Isaac? How you doing, buddy? <sighs> yeah, that's a discuss- That's a whole different discussion. You know what? We can make a bonus episode of the biggest floppers in the NBA. That's a good one right there. Writing it down right now. Smart's definitely on the list, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I think mean, just off the top of my head. Luca's a pretty big flopper. Yeah, touche. And I, I, I respect Luca's game. Love watching Luca play. He can control the pace and all that stuff. But maybe Devin Booker. Like he saw a ghost and jumped. Like he yeah, he did. He hey, did. if you didn't see it on the Wisco Fanatics page. Today I posted that Marcus Smart checks his closet for Drew Holiday. He does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with game three. Um, we get to go win, loss, win at least with this. We get to sandwich the bad news in the middle. But let's start with game three. Uh, game three, man. Um, this was the game where Smart thought that he got fouled at the end of the game for three-point shot. No? Nope. It is, but he didn't. Yeah, oh, yeah, he didn't. He What's didn't. up, Dan? Oh, my God, he didn't call us dicks this week. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Are you sick? Um, Giannis was absolutely crazy in this game, kind of like he's been the entire series. 42 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. What else do you want to say about the guy? I mean, he's been taking two some bad. Two blocks, that's what I want to say. Throw yeah, two steals, two, two blocks. He's been blocks. taking some really bad three-point attempts, in my opinion. But on the other end of the spectrum, I'm going to you know play that side. You got to think about what Giannis has been going through and Bud's offense, you know, leading into last night was not very good. They needed to get the ball out of his hands and there Bud was kind of forcing Giannis to tire himself out. Like he's just running into two people for 48 minutes. It's like, Bud, help him out at least, you know, uh, Drew didn't shoot very good in this game. Uh, Brooke Lopez played well. Bobby was okay. Pat Connaughton. And hit some big threes like he always is. Outside of that, it was really uh, 
the turnovers, man. That's the one thing that I want to keep talking about is the goddamn turnovers. Because it's like we had a, a big turnover game and then a not big turnover game. And then yesterday it was starting to look like a big turnover game, right? Ugh. It was it was bad, man. I was like, oh, God. So I'm just going to stay up and force myself to stay up and watch this shit. But um, game three, it was just a hard-fought game. Uh, they needed to respond, and they did. They got a, they got a two-point win. So this was the first game where um, Budenholzer moved Grayson Allen into the starting lineup and put Bobby on the bench. Um, yeah, personally, I think they should switch that back. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about what ended up happening with last night's game a little more when we talk about game five. But mm-hmm. uh, we talked about after game two that we wanted to see them use Giannis as a screener more often, and they did that early in this game, um, and, it, and it started to work well. Um, Bobby Portis came out with his energy. Brooke Lopez scored first four points of the game. Um, Wes was doing a really good job on Tatum. Um, And then I want to highlight one play by Bobby Portis, Bobby Goggles, using Mm -hmm. his energy. So he helped out onto Grant Williams in the corner, Mm -hmm. waited for Wesley Matthews to get back, and then ran all the way back so Wesley Matthews could get on Tatum. And then Lopez could get back to, um, I think it was Horford. And then he went all the way back to his man, Grant Williams, and ran him off the three-point line and forced him into a contested floater. He got the rebound, brought the ball up on the fast break, and kicked the ball up to Pat Connaughton for a three. And that was all... That's Bobby Portis energy right there. Yes, it was. All of that was Bobby Portis. And those are impact plays that start runs. Absolutely. So, the Bucks' defensive energy was just leaps and bounds better than it was in Game Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Pat Connaughton stays hot, the Bucks are in a really good position. Um, guys, they just got to knock down their open looks. Like Giannis is driving and he's attracting so much attention. You mm-hmm. got to have guys like Pat and Grayson and Bobby and even Brooke and Drew and Wes knocking down their open shots because Giannis is surrounded by shooters. Yep. So, guys got to hit those open shots. Uh, it's good to see Brooke Lopez get going on offense in this game. Um, Giannis needs to, like you, like you said, stop shooting threes or at least dial them down a bit and not shoot them with 20 seconds on the shot clock. I mean, the one he took last night at the end of the game was in rhythm, so I don't have yes. a problem with that one at and all. And there's nobody near him. He wasn't like doing like a like I said, walking up off of a dribble and just kind of pulling up with 20 seconds on the shot clock, like. Giannis, like, I realize that you're a better player than Kevin Durant, but you're not Kevin Durant in that aspect. Yep, I agree. You're, yeah, you're not pulling up walk-up three-pointers. So don't do that. Um, especially early in the shot clock. If there's eight seconds left in the shot clock and you want to get that because it's a, a more open look than trying to drive and potentially draw an offensive foul, mm-hmm. you know, that's different. But 20 seconds on the shot clock, let's get a better shot. Yeah, let's move the ball a little bit here. Yeah, so... <laughs> Between poor shooting, poor officiating, and physical play, um, the series basically is going to come down to open shots and fundamentals. Um, both teams in the first half of Game 3 combined 7 for 36 on threes. <laughs> it was rough. Celtics yeah. were on pace for 34 free throws, which they finished with, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Then, so moving to the second half, Giannis is still shooting threes. Like, Boston wants that. You texted me. It's basically a turnover for Giannis to shoot a three, like like I said, early in the shot clock. It's basically a mm-hmm. turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless you're getting offensive rebounds, which is a different discussion. But um, And then 
everybody's in foul trouble, and then guys are starting to have to play conservative on defense because they don't want to foul out. Mm-hmm. Which that's where that's where the ref show comes in, and that's where like I don't care what team is playing and what team is not getting the benefit of the foul calls. Like I just want to see a consistently officiated game so that guys don't have to change the way that they play because of the officials. And we talked about that too. If you're gonna call it, call it on both ends. Mm-hmm. I can't argue with you then. If you're calling it on both ends, I can't argue. Okay, clearly they're making that call. It's like an umpire right. in baseball. Yeah. If you have a low strike zone and they call yep. that consistently, it is what it is, man. Can't I can't? Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, just the consistency. Uh, as far as consistency on follow call goes, I don't know what the hell Brooke Lopez has to do to get a damn follow call. I don't know either, man. He like literally gets pushed, pulled, shoved to the ground. And still doesn't get foul calls. Yeah, that's what it is, Isaac. Shooting them at the at the wrong times. That's yeah, yeah. That's an empty possession, and it's basically the same as a turnover at that point. So, <sighs> Giannis carried the Bucks through the third quarter, mm-hmm. and outscored Boston thirty four seventeen in the third quarter. Milwaukee did. Fourth quarter, and I said this to Jake and a couple other people. That the Bucks came out in the fourth quarter of this game and game four in the Mike McCarthy philosophy <laughs> of protect a lead, don't expand it. Mm-hmm. That shit drove me nuts because Boston isn't going away because you have a lead. No. They blew a bunch of leads during earlier in the year. They're not mm-hmm. going away. They know leads can evaporate because it happened to them a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So Boston didn't go away. Bucks come out a little bit lazy on defense. Boston goes on a nine to two run, cuts the lead to five early, and then this is where Al Horford starts doing his thing that ends up lasting for two games. What's up, Big yeah. Cheese? Um, starts doing his thing that lasts for two full games, and you you gotta at least put a hand up. Yeah, you gotta at least try to run him off the three point line or make him somewhat contested. When you give a veteran a comfortable you know, like all set in motion, ready to shoot, feel good, look at a basket, he's going to put it in. Dude, he was literally shooting warm-up jumpers. <laughs> that's pretty – yeah, that's basically what it is. It's, it's him in the gym by himself when nobody's within five feet yeah, of him. Yeah, it's bad. So Boston makes 11 of 14 field goals in the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Then they go on a 20-9 to run, and then this game is close, and then Drew and Giannis have to close it out. So this game ended up being way closer than it needed to be. But like Jake said, Giannis had 42, 12, and 8, two steals, two blocks. Drew Holiday had 25 points, seven assists, three rebounds, three or seven rebounds, three assists, three steals. Brooke Lopez, 13 points, 10 rebounds. That was nice to see from Brooke Lopez. Everybody's always like, oh, he's big. Why doesn't he get more rebounds? Because he's usually pushing people out of the way. Uh, and then two assists from Brooke and two steals. Now, Jake texted me this too. The Bucks missed Chris this game. They missed yeah. him in game four too. I mean, when you, you know, Chris has been like the main closer as far as when offense is hard to come by and guys are tired, like Chris is the guy you go to. Think about the so, emotional maturity I've went through where I hated Chris and now I'm like, God damn, we miss Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we miss Chris so hey, much. <laughs> that's, that's, I will give you credit for that though, because that's, that's growth. You're not just saying like, oh, I didn't think Chris was good two years ago, so I'm going to stick to it. Like, it does, like you like you say it, it, it takes an emotional maturity. I do actually give you credit for that. Because, you know, it's obviously it's never easy admitting that you're wrong. But well, I was wrong. <laughs> so, and it, yeah, and it's that's what it comes down to. I respect that. So I give you credit for that. Um, 
So the Bucks did not attempt a free throw from 433 mark in the third quarter through the rest of the game. Boston in that same amount of time, the last 16 minutes of the game, attempted 17 free throws. And Boston thought the officiating was lopsided in Milwaukee's favor. I know. Isn't that the funniest shit of all That time? was ridiculous. Oh, Giannis just bulldozes his way into the paint all the time. It's like, it's not an offensive foul to be stronger than the person you're playing against. Do you know what I always say to that? Dude, you literally have two people guarding him. Do you think he's not getting fouled at all? Do you mm-hmm. think you're playing perfect defense every possession? So, because he runs into you once in a while. He does. He plays football mm-hmm. out there sometimes, let's be honest. Yeah, sometimes. He's yeah. like a, he's like a running back on the goal line sometimes. But he I almost has to, bro, because he, he right. knows he's getting two, three people thrown at him. And Horford is not small either, so I don't want to hear Horford no excuses is, for that. Horford is strong. And so is so is Williams, dude. By the he's way, Williams. He's the low center of gravity. Bro, but he is fucking solid. Like, yeah. all the way through. He is a solid dude. You don't just run past him. Yeah, I actually agreed when Huey that's, Brown said that. That's why when he like when Giannis goes into the lane, I had a Boston fan tell me that Giannis jumped into him to knock him down to get that offensive yeah. foul call. I'm like, really? So you think Grant Williams just takes all this contact all game and then just all of a sudden falls like a napkin in the wind? Exactly, dude. That's the thing that bothers me, too. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing I respect about Giannis, too. We never really see him flop and do that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. he, he has the mantra of, like, listen, I'm big and I'm strong. That's why he and he gets dunked on once in a while, too, because he tries yeah. to block everything. Yeah. But I respect that more than you flopping. I, dude, it, if he got dunked on 99 times out of 100 and blocked a shot on the 100th time, instantly worth getting dunked on the other 99. Because guys are getting those two points anyways, whether you try to contest them or not. But if you can stop them from scoring points at any time, that's better than a wide-open dunk. Hey, he, he gets blocks when they're necessary, man. That's all I'm going to say. Just, just like does. when Drew Holiday gets his steals, Giannis, uh-huh. Giannis gets his blocks in big-time moments, dude. <laughs> yeah, Isaac, you know, the MVP thing, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because I do think Jokic deserved it. Yeah. But what I will say is I think Giannis should be finishing second and Embiid should have finished third. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And voter fatigue is a real thing. But He said, I don't know what else I have to do. Maybe don't lose to the heat, you fucking punk. <laughs> so, last thing that I want to say is Buckshot, 17 free throws. Yes, Shaq. That's that's another, like, fair point, too. Is like when somebody's talking about Giannis is only, he's just bulldozing, he's just whatever. You know, Shaquille O'Neal was stronger than everybody he played against. He's a top 10 player all time, depending on who you ask. Uh, I might put him top 10. He's, I'd probably I mean, have him in that 8 to 10 range. In, in a conversation with centers, uh, oh, man, that's a that's a good bonus he's episode. He's probably top three. He's got to be top three. He's got to – he's probably top – Kareem, probably. Will Shaq, Bill Russell. I mean, there's so many. Hakeem. You, you, Hakeem Olajuwon is – Damn. All right. Mm-hmm. Top five positions. We're going to end up racking up all these bonus episodes. We're going to have to start getting getting cranking these bad boys out, which while we're on the <laughs> subject, a... next Friday uh, we're doing our next bonus episode. That's going to be the Packers trivia slash drinking game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Oh, Anthony, we're going to get to game five. I got one more thing on game four. The Bucks were 40 of 99 on field goals. That is a big yikes. Yeah. And they still won. So that's my last thing on game three. So let's switch to game four. 
and get it out of the way because we got to talk about it. Uh, all right, let's make this one fast. Uh, Giannis had 34, 18, and 5. He tried to carry. He uh, he really tried everything he could, in my opinion. Uh, Brooke Lopez had 17 to 7, so I thought he played well. It was nice to see him scoring. Uh, West with 12 points. Pat with 11. Hit, a, hit three three-pointers again. Bobby Portis, I don't know why he didn't play as much as he did. That really bothered me. And Drew Holiday was horrible efficient efficiency. 5 of 22 was horrible. Um, but he made up for it the next game because we know the future, obviously. But, right. you know, the thing that the thing that really sucked is all you let Horford get into a rhythm and then all of a sudden he gets that transition three and he's already got a feel for the ball. So when he got the ball, before he even shot it, I was like, oh, shit, man, this motherfucker's mm-hmm. coming in, you know. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. They dropped one at home that they shouldn't have dropped. And Giannis was gassed. Uh, this was the game where yep. everybody started being like, Bud needs to work on his rotation. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So this this was the the fourth quarter. Mike, like I said, the Mike McCarthy philosophy here where you're, you're going into the fourth quarter with a seven-point lead. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they were just trying to protect the lead. It took less than less than two minutes before the lead was down to two points. That was it. Two minutes and the lead was down to two. And then it took until, let's see, 8, 8.30 mark. The game was tied. They're still leaving Horford open. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac, I don't know that I necessarily agree that the Bucks are vulnerable when the other team dictates the pace. It's just that the Celtics really excel at getting into transition. That's how they beat Brooklyn, by constantly getting in transition. Because they, even after a made basket, they're getting the ball in super quick and trying to get a secondary transition break. So that's, what, where, that's what Boston excels at, is, is getting in transition. Do you know what Bud's uh, counterpunch to that was last night? Crashing the offensive boards because they didn't have as many bodies on the, on the mm-hmm. defensive boards. So we crashed the offensive boards really, really hard last night. And that's what I, in my opinion, that's what won us the game last night. But we'll get that's, there. That's a really good point. Uh, and it gave it gave Boston a couple leak outs. Like they almost got a layup right before halftime. Almost it was like a couple fingertips left in the ball. Mm-hmm. But you know that's I would take like what ten offensive rebounds and in exchange for one leak out. Um, Anthony, I'm gonna say a couple things about George Hill. So game four was the game where everybody started complaining about George Hill. So why is George Hill playing? Why is George Hill playing? Jason Tatum was actually two for seven when guarded by George Hill in game four. And then in game five, he only played 12 minutes. So, I, I mean, it didn't it didn't end up really being that consequential. And, you know, where it goes from there is we'll see. But I just don't understand. Okay, about this George Hill thing. I don't understand how Javon Carter can have a plus 25 and then not see the floor the rest of the, se- the series. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, basically... What I boiled it down to is that passing, George Hill is better. Dribbling, George Hill is better. Size, George Hill is bigger. And playoff experience, George Hill has more. But here's and, here's my here's my counter. Here's my counter. You saw last night what happened when they started pressuring Marcus Smart. He started turning the ball mm-hmm. over a little bit, right? Started rushing. What is Javon Carter great at? Ball pressure. He can full court pressure on him. And make him work. At, at the very least, the thing that you're going to do is you're going to mess up their timing. Because 
the th- the reason you know Isaac's talking about they can slow it down in half court. The reason they can get away with that is because they have multiple shooters, multiple mm-hmm. big time long shooters on both sides, and right. then Horford can hit and Williams every once in a while. But if you mess with that timing, they can't run certain plays. So that's why I would like Carter. I'm not saying he has to play over Hill, but yeah. a little bit here and there wouldn't be a bad idea. In my I opinion. liked Javon Carter on Jalen Brown in Game One. Jalen okay. Brown, Jalen Brown was he's not as strong as a Marcus Smart, whereas Marcus Smart is much stronger than Javon Carter, but. Jalen Brown is a little bit more of a finesse guy than a punch guy. I really like seeing Javon Carter defend Jalen Brown on the ball. But what the other part of that is, is that Boston started setting a shit ton of screens to get mm-hmm. switches and switches and switches. And I'm going to bring that up again when we talk about game five. But um, like you said, Bucks are just gassed at the end of this game. Boston was yeah. 15 of 18 on field goals in the fourth quarter. Um and, you know, fourth quarter, Giannis was three for seven on field goals, had two turnovers in the fourth quarter, and George Hill was 0 of 5 on field goals in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So this other one, the other thing that you said with Bobby Portis was, after this game I was wanting, Budenholzer said he had Bobby Portis out because he was adjusting to Boston's size. Boston went small without Robert Williams in the game, so Budenholzer kept Bobby Portis on the bench. So what I was hoping to see was make Boston adjust to Milwaukee's size, not making Milwaukee adjust to Boston's size. So that happened a little bit more in Game 5. So if you'd like to, we can switch to Game 5 and talk about that game. Yeah, um, I just want to point out that after Game 4, after the tough loss, Bobby Portis was in the gym putting up shots, Mm. putting in that work. And that's something that was encouraging to me, you know, after a tough loss. Seeing, seeing a guy, like, willing to work and be like, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. Wisco Ball, what's going on? Oh, Wisco Ball's in here. <coughs> oh, I'm trying to give a little spoiler alert in here. Oh. <laughs> what up, brother? Oh, Wisco Bros. That's us. All right. Wisco Bros. <laughs> I haven't gone by that. That's a new one. I like All right. that one. Let's talk about game five because there's a lot. There's a lot here. And this one. Oh no, Wisco Ball. That's not how we roll. We don't talk about just the last two minutes. We're going to talk about the whole game. Well, we have to talk about the beginning of the game to get to the yep. phenomenal ending of this game because yeah. everything leading up to it makes the ending so much, so much sweeter, man. Yeah. Um, so, Giannis, 40 11 and 3. Uh, this was Giannis's 31st uh, 30 point playoff game, which passed Kareem Abdul Jabbar for most in Bucks history. Um, I got another so one on Giannis for you, but I'll say. I uh, know, dude. I, dude, there were so many stats from this game. It was just like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Drew Holiday, twenty-four, eight and eight. Obviously, he had the steal and the block in the last ten seconds. He's the first player in the last twenty-five postseasons to have a steal and a block. Sorry, I heard that one, and I, that one's one of my favorites of all time. I'll let you have the rest. I'll let you have the rest. <laughs> um, but he he played big down the stretch. And, you know, I was just talking to Tyler about this before we went live. Um, people were complaining in Bucks groups about, like, oh, I was done with Drew, done with this. It's like, why don't you watch the entire game? Maybe something crazy is going to happen, man. This is the NBA. Crazy shit happens uh-huh. all the time. I mean, I mean, we just talked about it in games three and four, how Boston yeah. pull away after three quarters because they know leads can be blown because it's happened to them. Dude, 
Just like last year, I feel like the two best teams in the East are playing in the second round again. Yep. Strongly like agree. Like with the Nets and the Bucks last year, the, the Bucks and the Celtics this year. Um, yep. But let's let's get on track here. Uh, Brooke Lopez, two points, three rebounds, two assists. But he was big down low. He was boxing out well. That's what I saw. He was big down there. Uh, West Matthews, three three-pointers again and some really, really tough ones. Uh, if anybody complains about West Matthews anymore, please – Stop. <laughs> he, does everything, he does Close everything he's asked you. to do. He does everything. Everything he's asked to do. Uh, Pat Connaughton, three three-pointers again. Two massive threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, dude. That one he did in front of the Boston bench and did that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, With a hand Ooh. in his face. <laughs> Bobby Portis, 14 and 15. Had the biggest oh. offensive rebound of the, of the whole game. Yep. I mean... And the reason, so I said it before, the reason I think that the offensive rebounds won us the game, they had 17 offensive rebounds for the entire game. They had seven in the fourth quarter. Seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. One was the three-pointer. One ended up as the Bobby Portis tip-in. So those are two massive plays. And I think I think one ended up in the Drew Holiday three too, right? Bobby Portis, right? Oh, if I'm re- remembering oh. correctly. The two that I remember. Yeah, well, Giannis, 16 of 27. That's just crazy. Uh, our buddy Isaac talked about it before. He was bullying Horford. Yeah, Giannis answered the call. And I texted my cousin before this game, and I was like, today it's time for Giannis to earn his lunch money. Because this, this is the kind, these are the kind of games that – all-time great players, they go on the road and they win these games. Giannis put a 40 on the road in Boston, the team that's looked at as the best defense, one of the most complete teams in the league. And Giannis went out there and he got a freaking win. I mean, I know Drew Holiday had a little something to do yeah, with it. But a little bit. I'm just saying, Giannis held us in that game when we were down by 14, you know, down by 11, down by 9, down by 6. And it was getting so frustrating watching this game because every time the Bucks kept cutting it to 2 and 4, they just kept pushing it back, pushing it back. And I, yep. And I told you this, after that Horford putback with two minutes left, I was like, fuck. I was like, that, that's game. I, fe- I felt like that was game. It I really like did. a dagger. Because they had, they had the crowd back into it. Yep. You know, the, they were all hyped up. I mean, yep. it, and I had that same feeling after they did that, that lob to Tatum from Brown. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, what is happening right now? And then, you know, we talked about all the crazy, stupid shots they were making. Like the Jalen Brown fade yeah. three. You know, you said Pritchard's uh, fade. Yep. I was like, I was like, oh my god! And then Tatum had one where it bounced around every part of the rim in the in the entire state of Massachusetts and went in somehow. And I'm like, how the? I was like, there's no way we're gonna win this game. This it felt like a hump game. Like we couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, and it was it's Boston's like third consecutive quarter of making like 80 percent of their field goals in the fourth quarter. Crazy, dude. So, like Jake said, to get to that point, a lot had to happen before that. So, yeah. what I liked seeing. Was Drew got off to a good start. Bucks made three mm-hmm. threes early, and then Budenholzer made some really early substitutions. Isaac, I did see that. Um, mm-hmm. That Jerry Judy got arrested. So three threes early. Drew off to a good start. Um, Bucks going big, putting Bobby and Brooke Lopez on the floor at the same time. Pat Connaughton came in and stayed hot. Budenholzer made those substitutions of Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton like four and a half minutes into the game. He made really early substitutions, and he kept that going. So Drew Holiday was being aggressive. He's finding Giannis. 
Um, he's finding Grayson Allen. He had a really nice pass to Grayson Allen from like half court. Jalen, uh, was it Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, was waiting for Grayson Allen to go up to the three-point line, and Drew Holiday just fired a rifle pass right down the middle of the lane, and Grayson yeah. Allen had a wide-open layup. And it looked like Allen wasn't even ready for it. He was. He was like, he was just going anticipating to go through his motions, and Drew had the court vision and just fired it through because Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Brown, actually. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's kind of just trying to cheat and give himself a couple extra steps to get Mm -hmm. ready for Grace Allen to come around the screen and go up to the three-point line. And Grace Allen got a layup out of it. So this is where turnovers. This is like Jake said. It felt like game five was going to be an early turnover game. Four turnovers in the first quarter. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So the nice thing to see with the first quarter was Bobby Portis equaled his entire point total from game four in the first quarter. Um, And Drew Holiday finished first quarter with nine points and three assists. Second quarter, more turnovers. Like, I I felt like I was going to have a stroke every time the Bucks turn the ball over because it just kept happening again and again and again and again. And then bad shot selection on top of it, and they started to dig themselves a hole. And five consecutive empty possessions, Boston went on a 7-0 run. Next thing, you got to do better defending ball screens. This, they needed to stop going under. They can't. You can't go under screens on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Derek White. Marcus Smart, you can go under screens all day. We'll live with him shooting threes. And then, of course, the second quarter, Daniel Tice makes every single shot he shoots. Yeah, that was annoying. I wouldn't count on that happening again if I'm Boston, yeah. but whatever. I mean, if it means taking the ball out of Horford's hands, sure. But then, of course, you know, he goes five for five. So All right. <laughs> they get that for them, too. Um, so bad shots and more turnovers resulted in an 11-0 run for Boston. And then Giannis started being aggressive. He scored 15 points in the second quarter. The Bucks got the lead down to double digits. Giannis was 7-for-7 on field goals in the second quarter. The rest of the team was 2-for-12. Yeah. Including 0-for-6 behind the three-point line in the second quarter. That's why I said guys got to hit their open shots. That's what it comes down to, hitting open shots. Just wait till the fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Third quarter, I felt Giannis needed to get – he needs to get his mojo back at the three-throw line. Like I said, the Bucks last year when they went on their championship run, Giannis was making like 17 out of 21 free throws and like like 15 of 18 and 16 of 16, and he was having really great, crazy good free throw games. And then he tosses in like a 6 for 11. and a, He had one 9 for 12 game in game three, I think. He was 9 for 12 on free throws, but I just feel like he's got to get more consistently making them. Um, mm-hmm. I will say – if Giannis doesn't miss his second free throw at the end of the game and Bobby Portis gets the rebound that gives us the lead, if he makes that free throw, this outcome might not have been the same. Yeah. I think, I mean, Giannis bringing back the dad jokes, that might be a regular season thing. Um, In the regular season, I think, the, or the, the postseason, that's more of a more of a focus thing. I think that's where Giannis kind of flips his switch. So, um, moving to back to the third quarter, um, bucks need to string some stops together so they can go on runs. Basketball is a game of runs. It's like every time you, you start to build some momentum and then Boston makes a shot that you basically go back to start and you have to start from square one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to, 
you got to stop taking bad shots. And then they get to a point where you start trading baskets and still not getting stops. Trading baskets isn't going to help you come back. Um, it just it, – it became the, the third quarter of Jalen Brown. I think he had 16 points in the third quarter. That's um, when he Bucks was making his yeah. fadeaway threes. Mm-hmm. Like the Bucks weren't necessarily playing bad defense, but freaking Jalen Brown took the third quarter over. Fourth quarter, more of the same. Boston, like I said, hitting like 80% of their field goals in the fourth quarters. Um, can't get stops, taking bad shots. And I texted you that it feels like the Bucks were like mentally tired in this game as well as physically tired. So mm-hmm. it looked like like everybody like kind of just had like tired faces on. It felt like they had no fire, no energy, um, no confidence. It feels like they had kind of just been like, all right, well, we'll get them at home. And then Boston started five for five on field goals in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So, and that's when Pat Connaughton kept the Bucks in the game. Jake mentioned the two threes that Pat Connaughton hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley Matthews and Pat Connaughton doing work on both ends. Um, this, it's become a quality, or not a quality, uh, a consistent problem because it happened in game two when they lost to the Bulls in the first series, and it happened a couple times in this series, and it was the rebound that Jake is talking about where Horford got the tip slam. Late offensive rebounds is becoming an issue for the Bucks. Giving Everybody was standing late and watching. Offensive rebounds. That's where, you know, it'd be nice to have Brooke Lopez on the floor because that's what he does. But I like that Budenholzer opted for Bobby Portis because what he does, having Bobby Portis in there instead of Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez plays that drop coverage because he's not fast. Mm-hmm. Bobby Portis is faster. He's more athletic. Bobby Portis gets out and hedges those screens, makes the ball screen or the the ball handler go closer to half court, two steps farther away from the three point line, and then guys can get back to their to their man. And then Bobby Portis has the speed to recover to Horford or Grant Williams or whoever it was that he was guarding. Mm-hmm. So, though Bobby didn't start, he ended up playing twenty eight minutes to Brook Lopez's twenty. That's fine with me. That is then, a yeah. great ratio, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, even if you went like 24-24, and Bobby's I mean, playing the same I, amount of minutes as Brooke. Bob, Bobby's a guy that can get on fire. So yeah. him him playing even amount of minutes with Brooke, where you can mm-hmm. have that defense on the on the court with Brooke, mm-hmm. and then the offense on the court with, with Bobby, I mean, that's a great ratio. And I have no now idea why. They should why roll with them at the same minutes. time sometimes. They should. Why not? Why not do that? They, they did in the first quarter. I like the idea of putting them both on the floor with Giannis, Drew, and either Pat or Grayson or Wesley Matthews. Now, when we get Chris back, we put Chris at the two. Wow, <laughs> that's massive. Dude, I would, I would love to see a lineup of Drew, Chris, Giannis, Bobby, and Brooke. That is, that is huge. Massive. That is huge, boy. <laughs> that is disgusting. Skip Bayless is a fucking clown. I, I. I'm not going to say what, what I really want to say about Skip Bayless, just, but just know. Tim, just hold know. that thought for two more minutes so we can finish talking about Game 5, and then I'm going to address <laughs> Skip Bayless. Okay. So, Giannis is literally bleeding from the eye, hits a three to cut the lead to three. Drew hits a three to tie, 37 seconds left. Now, Wisco Ball is commenting we should only talk about the last two minutes. You can get down to even the last minute and 34 seconds. 
The Bucks in the last minute and 34 seconds outscored the Celtics 11 to 2. That's how it's done. That's, That's how, how you, you steal one on the oh, road. That is that is so good. You're down 14 points with 10 minutes to go. You're down 11 points with 8 minutes to go and you take the last minute and a half and go on an 11 to 2 run. Is ready in the comments? Giannis's uncle is ready in the comments. I don't know. That one went okay. over my head. I'm not going to lie. Yep. <laughs> uh, so then Drew showed off his all-NBA defense twice. Yeah. And, and that's basically what ended it. Um, I was listening to Ted Davis talk about it on the radio today. And Drew having the, the wherewithal to recognize that, hey, Marcus Smart's going at Pat Connaughton. He's not looking to pass. He's looking to oh. score. And... He goes, he tries to score, and Drew Hotta takes one step down, blocks the shot, collects the shot, and then throws it off of Smart's chest, and Bucks get the possession. That, That's such a – like, that happens so fast, but Drew Holiday is – he's got the the instincts to be able to make that play. Yeah. And then, obviously, he struck Marcus Smart in the last play, and then he starfished and flopped and whatever, but – I couldn't believe he jumped that high from the ball being stolen. Like, what? Yeah, you didn't see the trampoline he jump off? I was like, what, bro? Like, <laughs> what are you jumping for? I, but, like, I don't know where that, like, even if there was a foul there, like, that's not the direction that a person would go. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, like you're not going to go straight up in the, the air. the ball down, and Marcus Smart went straight up. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, he doesn't flop, though. No, he doesn't flop. Oh, bro, I was in that Celtics group going fucking berserk today. Oh, Those guys have to hate me right now. They have to hate me right now. No, no, I'm not not kicked out yet. They're going to let me in there. Apparently, they're going to wait until they lose in six games. Yeah. (laughs) Because after that, oh, I'm going to get real disrespectful. (laughs) Dude, you just see some of the stuff they talk about Giannis. I was like, there's no way, bro. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Twitter is just as bad, honestly. It's bad. It's complaining about the refs and, no, Giannis is just a bulldozer. Whatever. All right. So, you mentioned already Giannis is 40 and 11, 16 mm-hmm. for 27 on field goals, 6 of 10 at the free throw line, and 7 turnovers. That's that's the thing that got me because two of the turnovers that he had where he just dribbling the ball, looking at the ball, and, and it just rolls into Al Horford's hands. Yeah. Points. Yeah. Drew Holiday, 24, 8 and 8. He's 9 for 24 on field goals. That's meh. It's like 38%. Uh, and he was 4 for 7 on threes, though. So it's nice to see Drew Holiday elevating back to the, the three point efficiency that he had going during the regular season because Drew shot so well during the regular season. So it's nice to yes. see him getting back to that. Um, and only two turnovers. He had them. I think they were probably both in the first half because it felt like he was ended up having a bunch, but. Finished with only two turnovers, which is encouraging. And then Bobby Portis, you mentioned already, the 14 and 15. What's up, Simon? Um, hey, he's listening to the kids from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm, not a, can you I'm not a kid, but I'll out, take it. Can you spell out how to pronounce your name? Yeah. Like, cause... like when I do my name pronunciations, I always get them from YouTube. But like unless your name pronunciation is on YouTube and I can look it up. But if you're watching live, I'd love to, th- to say it live and, and say thank you for watching. So. Um. Wow, that's a name. <laughs> I know. 
It took a long time to say Giannis Adetokounmpo. It um, did. Now we're teaching <laughs> so, our little ones to say it. I know, right? <laughs> my, both my girls are pretty good at saying it, I got to say. Bobby Portis, you mentioned the 14 points, 15 rebounds. He was 4 of 14 on field goals, which is not great, but he made the ones that counted, and he was 6 for 6 on the free throw line, which yes. Bobby Portis deserves credit for. 6 for 6 on the free throw line. His 15 rebounds, seven of them were offensive rebounds. Seven offensive rebounds for Bobby Portis. He was going crazy on the old boards, dude. That's big boy stuff right there. Yes. Seven offensive rebounds. That's a lot why of teams we love Bobby. With that many in a game. He's done um, himself. Bobby or Boston had five. Rest my case. Rest my yep. case, Your Honor. Yep, Boston wow. had five. Uh, Pat Connaughton, thirteen points, four of seven shooting, three of five behind the three-point line. And then Grayson Allen. So Grayson Allen didn't light the scoreboard on fire. He only had eight points. He had two rebounds, but he finished second on the team with five assists. Bro, he Grayson, had the one crazy lay, though. The and one? Every, yes, and the and one, yep. That was nasty. Bro, he tipped it in with the offhand in the <laughs> air. I was like, whoa. And then he had that one where he looked like prime MJ. He missed it. But he looked like prime MJ freaking flinging Dude, the ball. Dude, Giannis did that. I think that was – was that game four? The Giannis had one where he went like this, went all the way up, under, around, and spun it in. I think, yeah, Giannis. Giannis actually finished it because his wingspan goes for nine hundred feet. But right. I'm just impressed that Grayson has that that athleticism. To be he honest, he has with you. that athleticism. A lot of people don't know that, but he has it. Um, because people are too busy worrying about what he did freaking eight years ago. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I've yeah. moved on. He's on our side now. Yeah, it well, is I'm what not, it is. I'm not knocking down lids to buy his jersey or anything but right I agree. um Giannis did whatever he wanted against Horford last night like literally anything he wanted Giannis got around him through him over him like get left-handed layups he was he got everything he wanted last night um and I got a little bit more about Giannis when we get that far so like the thing with Grayson is that like he catches the ball on the three-point line and he sets a pump fake, and he dribble drives, and then finds open guys. So that's why I wanted to point that out because he's been doing that. That he's not useless on offense because he only scored eight points. Mm-hmm. He also had the five assists, second on the team. So now, now, uh, hopefully, here we go. We're gonna go back to this because we're gonna go. I want to talk about game four because this is the one where Jason Tatum dunked on Giannis, and they went and looked at it to see if it was flagrant. They ended up not ruling it flagrant. Because it also happened in this game where Bobby Portis inadvertently hit Grant Williams in the elbow or hit him in the eye with his elbow. That's not the injury that Grant Williams or Robert Williams has missed two games with now, but Mm -hmm. got him an elbow and it happened. (sighs) Skip Bayless is on Twitter, all caps. Giannis is dirty. He needs to be kicked out of the game. Bobby Portis is dirty. He needs to be kicked out of the game. I posted the picture of Pat Connaughton from last year's playoffs when he got elbowed by Joe Harris and was bleeding from the eye and no foul call. And then I posted Bobby Portis's picture from the Bulls series where he got elbowed in Tristan Thompson and he was bleeding from the eye. Literally blood in his eye and no foul calls on either of those. But you're begging for guys to be kicked out of the league? Like, holy hell, show that you are a worse sports reporter, please. So, it doesn't thank get you for bringing this up, Tim. Skip Bayless is... Uh, this is going to sound really harsh, but I truly feel this way. 
that Skip Bayless is a disgrace to sports media. He is everything. He embodies everything that is the worst about the shock jock media and clickbait sports media. Skip Bayless is the embodiment of that. And he's a Cowboys fan, so screw that guy. All caps, Bobby Portis should be ejected from this game. It's like, where was this outrage when Tristan Thompson elbowed Bobby Portis two weeks ago? Do you want to know how bad Skip Bayless is? He said that Johnny Manziel was going to be bigger than LeBron in Cleveland. <laughs> Tell me you're stupid without telling me you're stupid. Seriously, that, that's serious. Like LeBron James, one of the greatest players in NBA history. Even at the point when Johnny got drafted, LeBron was looked at as one of the best ever. Hell nah. He follows one person on Twitter, and that's Romo. Really? I didn't know that, actually. I'm surprised it's not Brady, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, again, I can't say what I really want to say because I want to get inappropriate, but good Lord. Basically, basically what Skip Bayless is, it's not that he likes to hate on the Bucs. He just hates all of Wisconsin. He does. He hates Aaron Rodgers, too. Yep. I mean, a lot of a lot of media hates Rodgers, so I can I can deal with that. But to hate the Bucks, to hate Giannis, now I know you just hate us. How do you hate Giannis? Nobody yeah. hates Giannis. Exactly. <laughs> Giannis is the best, which he actually has. Um, they actually have a movie coming about it about Giannis. Uh, Disney mm-hmm. Plus is it's going to be on Disney Plus at the end of June. Um, Rise is the the Adetanakumbo story, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And yes, Will Drew did make up for it in the end. His turnovers were ugly. He did only finish with two turnovers, which is good. And he, yes, he made up for his poor shooting late, making the ones that counted, and then making the two huge defensive plays. And can't find the tweet. He must have deleted it. That sounds on brand for Skip Bayless's deleting tweets of dumb shit that he says. I might have him screenshotted somewhere because, like, do you like think said, he's deleted more or not, or or saved more tweets? Because he says a lot of dumb shit, in my opinion, man. I'm willing to bet that he's put out more tweets than he's deleted. But, because he tweets a lot. Mm-hmm. But He does. God, he says some dumb stuff. And he's yes, like... I do agree that some of his stuff is to mess with Shannon. But that's that's absolutely not the way that Jake and I approach our show. And never will. We never will approach this where like, hey, what do you think about this? Okay, that's what you think. I'm going to take the opposite just so we can argue on TV. Yeah, why would we do that's, that? And it's honestly, it's not a it's not a positive environment for anybody. Like, oh yeah, what do you do? Like, I argue with a guy for a living. And he is also opposite from our views of people that react to stuff that happens immediately at that moment. Like, why mm-hmm. don't you let shit play out and mm-hmm. then we'll go from there. Like, don't just react to it immediately because then you just look like a jackass. Like mm-hmm. all those people I said in the Bucks groups that are like, yep. oh, I was done with Drew, I was done with Drew. And then Drew has a block and a steal, seals the game for us, basically. Well, he did. And then, you know, you end up being like, well, I shouldn't have said that about Drew Holiday. I learned my lesson with Chris Middleton, okay? Learn from me, people. <laughs> so, yeah, if- Nick Wright does too, yeah. I do like Nick Wright, though, on I, some things. Yeah. But he goes a little, he goes a little bit too far sometimes. And that and there and sometimes I do think Nick Wright is trolling a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, when he goes a little far. Um, but yeah, I do feel that Skip Bayless just says what he says strictly to create drama. Mm-hmm. 
And that's not ever, you know, the way that Jake and I approach stuff. It's not ever the way that we approach it. It's always going to be, you know, let's say, let's say the Bucks had lost last night. It's never going to be, oh, the Bucks lost. You know, all hope is lost because the Bucks lost. It's going to be, you know, what can the Bucks do to overcome? It's not over until it's over. Mm-hmm. And that's Simon. That's exactly what it is. It's the people aren't patient. And unfortunately, with Wisconsin sports, people are spoiled. You know, if you if you've just been paying attention to the last five years of Wisconsin sports and see the Packers have been in two NFC championship games, been in four consecutive playoffs. The Brewers have been in four consecutive playoffs. The Bucks have been in four consecutive playoffs, including a championship. The Brewers were um, one game away from the World Series in 2018. Like I said, the Packers were in two NFC championship games. Like there's high expectations, but people need to not ride too high and too low. The roller coaster, it's all up and down. What Jake and I would encourage you to do is just stay in the middle there. Recognize, like, hey, the Bucks didn't do something well. Maybe the Celtics did something really well that caused the Bucks to lose that game. Like I mentioned, the Celtics shot like 80% on field goals in the last three games in the fourth quarter, it felt like. I'm not going to say, oh, the the Bucs played shitty defense for three straight fourth quarters. It did feel like that at times, but it wasn't like that the entire time. So Jake and I are always going to try to take things from a positive mindset and a positive perspective and look at ways that things can improve and not get down on our teams and bash players because we don't like them personally or, you know, whatever it is. So... (laughs) You know, if you if you like the, you know, if you like the the shock jock sports media that they call it, like you know, to each their own. But that's never going to be the way Jake and I approach stuff. We're never going to sit here and say, "Oh, the Bucks suck because they lost one game." Like teams are in the playoffs for a reason. Boston is actually the higher seed, mm-hmm. so you know Boston is a good team. It's not like the Bucks are losing a a series to the Pistons or something like that. Bro, the, the Celtics are like legit good. Like they're a really, really well-oiled machine. Like they have a well, good like, coach. Yeah, they have two very young, very good shot makers. Brown and Tatum can can score. You know, as a duo, they can score with anybody. And then you add in a Marcus Smart, who actually does play. Some, he has he plays good defense. I just don't like when he flops. It's the same thing yeah. with Harden. Like yep. I res- I respected James Harden's offensive game when he was went yep. with Houston. Like he was great. Yep. I just didn't like the flopping and shit. Yep. That, that, that got to me. You know, and then yep. you add in Horford. He's a great pro. Uh, Robert I'm Williams is a really, really young, up-and-coming player. They got some players over there, man. The Celtics are no joke. Like, this is a good team that the Bucks are playing. Yeah, yeah they, but, they, but you said you said it. They you said it, and Josh is echoing it in the comments, that it feels like this is the second straight year where mm-hmm. the toughest Eastern Conference matchup is coming in the second round. I agree. And that's like I said this before. I think I said this before game four that I believe that the winner of this series is going to the finals. Yep. And I still believe that. Like if Boston somehow finds a way to come back and win game six and seven, like they're going to the finals. Miami or Philadelphia is not stopping them. No. If the Bucks win tomorrow night and have three or four days off before having to play game one against Miami or Philadelphia, like neither one of those teams are beating the Bucks in a seven game series. I don't think so either. I mean, Miami will give us a little bit of difficulties here and there, and they might beat us a game or two maybe, but I don't think that they could beat us four times in seven games. I just right. don't see it. Tim, you know, the, the with the negativity thing, that's 
that's an underlying part of why we do the show the way that we do is that we'd like to we'd we'd like to make a positive impact for people to help them be more optimistic not just the way that they approach the way they look at their sports teams but hopefully by you know by extension in their lives oh man do the ex- oh do the calculations with the time of Greece all right what time is it there right now <laughs> let's start with that I'll, let me see what I can do hey when the bucks well, let's see the bucks playoffs. let's see it is yeah the... you know Josh the thing about that um, hours if you ask your dad your dad would probably know this uh, back in like the the 90s and the 2000s we were always playing Philly and Boston in the playoffs in the 80s too and we could never get past them. So it is actually a nice change of pace that we are the ones winning the playoff series. I will say that. You know, Simon, the pessimism, as long as you're logical, and you know, in that way, you can take the logic, flip the perspective around, and find out how you can improve or you know what the next step is, and have optimism for the future. You know, Jake and I, I've been trying to think about this a lot lately, how to take optimism from losses, and eventually, it's going to happen where. The Bucks, the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers are just going to be bad mm-hmm. for a while. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to happen at some point. Trying to think about how to positively, optimistically look at a rebuilding team. It could be, it very well could be the Badgers basketball team this year. Could it's be. going to be, Chucky Hepburn is going to be running the show and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But, you know, it's not going to be a guaranteed 25 win season. And yes, you can at least have the conversation about it. And as long as there's respect involved, that's something to be optimistic about. If I can have a respectful conversation with a Boston fan, at least I can come out of it saying, well, I actually respect what they said. It's like like my relationship with the St. Louis Cardinals as we flip to as we flip to baseball here, you know, you know, we got to do our power get to it. Oh, I know. And we you know, I'm going to talk okay. about tomorrow a little bit too. But like if, you know, going into baseball, like I don't like the Cardinals <laughs> at all but I respect the Cardinals. You know, when it came to, like, Kobe Bryant, for example. Like, I didn't like Kobe Bryant as a player. I liked him more after, but I respected Kobe Bryant even though I didn't like him. Same. I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan uh, growing up, but, you know, after after he was done, I agree with you. I definitely mm-hmm. I looked back on his stuff, and I was like, damn, Kobe was, was sick, man. He was making crazy shots, and... He was doing crazy stuff and his mindset, you know, as I got older, I think I appreciated that more when I was younger. I didn't really appreciate it as much. Okay. So the game is 26 hours from now. So I'm not sure what time it is in Greece right now, but it's going to be in 26 hours is when a tip off is going to be. Time is it in Greece. All right, let's see. Greece is eight hours ahead. So it's 1226 AM. Yep. So, twenty six hours from now, it's gonna be like what two a.m. Greece time. Oh. So either stay up late or wake up super early or <laughs> yeah. stay up stay up late and take a nap would be my suggestion. Stay I up to like midnight, that. take like an hour and a half nap. You wake up around one thirty. That would be my suggestion. Um, Start cranking some mil- some Milwaukee's best, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just get, yeah, get some caffeine, some coffee going. Um. And then once the Bucks game starts, that'll be all the energy you need. Um, yeah, Matt, when the rebuilding period happens with the Packers, Jake and I are going to have some work to do in keeping people positive. 
Yeah. That's... Oh, man, that's going to be some work when it comes to that. Might not be able to save everybody, but we're going we're gonna to try. <laughs> Women and children first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be... I don't look forward to it, but I do. It's a, it's, It'll be a new challenge for Jake and I, but look forward to that. Sundays will kind of suck. Won't lie, but we'll, we'll get there. All right. Let's do our power pair from games <laughs> three, four, and five. Oh, God. Okay. All right. I sure hope he doesn't, Isaac. That's a sad life. I hope not. Um, so, power pair, my first one. I'm assuming Tyler has him. It's Giannis. Yep. I mean, the guy's yep. averaging 38, 38 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, 5.3 assists, and shooting 52% over the last three games. And that's all while dealing with two and three defenders. Yikes. The and man is 40 minutes a game? Yeah. So, Dude is unstoppable. The one thing that Jake left out when he was talking about his playoffs, when he mentioned that Giannis had his, what, 41st, 30-10 game playoffs? 31st. 31st? Yeah. Was also his sixth. 40 and 10 playoff game. Giannis has scored 40 points with 10 rebounds in the playoffs six times. I'm pretty sure he has more 40 point playoff games than Steph Curry now. I think he's tied. I think he's tied, is what I said. Is he tied now? I, I thought tied he tied Steph Curry for 40 points. I thought he tied him game three, but I could be wrong. Either way, he's got the same or potentially one more 40 point game than Steph Curry, which is nuts. Yeah. Which is nuts. The greatest shooter of all time. And he has two titles. Yeah. And um, two MVPs. <laughs> that's true. He doesn't have a finals MVP, though, which Giannis has. So. Yes, sir. Um, hey, Matt, you know, on the oh, group of five people and waiting. Good. You can keep yourselves awake. You can all keep each other awake. Or you can sleep on a sentry and you can each, you know, four people can <laughs> sleep and one person stays awake and then you just go in a circle. <laughs> um. On the subject of Jordan Love, really quick, um, the sample size is this, this big. That's one of the other things that Jake and I want to get out of sports fandom is reacting to sample sizes this big. Like, people freaking out wanting to trade everybody after the Brewers lost the first two games of the season. Oh, I'm sure sure lately they haven't been too happy. Literally 162 games in the season, and three weeks later the Brewers are like seven games over 500. But we'll get there. So Jake already mentioned Giannis. I had Giannis as well. My other one is Drew Holiday. Averaged 24 points, 7 rebounds, just shy of 7 assists. His efficiency, it leaves something to be desired. But Drew Holiday has been one of the best individual defenders in the entire postseason so far. And he showed it off why last night. He hit the 3 to tie the game, hit the block to seal the 1 point lead, and then got the steal, which allowed Boston to not even get a chance to attempt a three to try to tie the game. And how Marcus Smart didn't see Tatum wide open, I will never know. I will never know. He got the Defensive Player of the Year award, and he was just like, this is my team. Like, <laughs> bro, no. Sit your ass down. It's like he he plays point guard. He's like the starting point guard. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you know, if I'm starting as point guard, I need to dribble a shit ton. Yeah. Well, like, Tatum that's doesn't want anybody. Yeah. Um, all right, who's your other one? My second one is Pat Connaughton. Uh, I just wanted to give some love to my boy Pat. He hits a lot of clutch shots. Um, he 
does a lot for the Bucks overall. Um, mm-hmm. He's averaging 11 and five off the bench, shooting 48 percent from the field and 47 percent behind the three-point line. Nine of 19 over these last three games. He's made some really, really big ones, man. He made two last night that were absolutely massive. The Bucks in the fourth quarter last night were six of six on three-pointers. Boston was zero of zero. They didn't even attempt a three-pointer mm, in the fourth quarter. That surprises quarter me because Tatum, it felt like Tatum was taking all of the threes. He Dude, he was like short on 11. all of them. He finished yeah, he two was for 11 short. on threes last night. He was short I as can't believe he didn't shoot. Half. That's whatever. Yeah. I'll take it. And, yeah, Smart was probably too busy flopping. Did you see <laughs> Did you see the post that I made today, Matt? I feel like you probably did. <laughs> I posted it was a live look of Marcus Smart, and it was just Magikarp from Pokemon where he's just flopping. <laughs> Um, Josh, to answer your question why they don't play Ibaka, um, part of the matchups is part of it, but the other part of it is he's been sick. So he he was inactive for game four with a non-COVID illness. Um, Whether that's still affecting him or whether he's just there as insurance is probably a pretty similar reason why Javon Carter's not playing, even though there are, you know, you know, there's reasons for them to play. Ibaka has that experience, the playoff experience. He has a title with the Raptors in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Simon said the Magikarp post made me laugh harder than it should have. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's two Pokemon memes that I made in the last two, last week. Um, <laughs> just full of them. Um, but Ibaka, like I said, he's got that postseason playoff championship experience, and he's still not touching the floor. So. When you're wondering why Javon Carter's not playing and George Hill is getting the minutes with the experience, like Ibaka's not playing either, and he's got that experience that Javon mm-hmm. Carter doesn't have. So that's true. All right, that was your other one. So let me ask you this question, and then we'll switch from the Bucks. What What do the Bucks have to do to close the series out tomorrow? Don't turn the ball over. Huh. I mean. That one should be pretty oh. freaking obvious. Continue using Giannis as a screener because yeah. when he's used as a screener, he's already going to the rim. So that's yep. an advantage for him. And we got to continue to cra- crash the offensive boards. I mean, I, I'm really big on that because I really think that was one of the big reasons we won. I think if we if we do all those things, I mean, I know we're going to have Pat hitting some threes because that's what he does. If Grayson can add in, if Wes can add in, that's only going to be icing on the cake. And the crowd has to be loud tomorrow. We're mm-hmm. going to need everybody that's going to the game to just bring that energy and bring that smack talk because you know Boston's going to bring it. They were loud last night, I won't lie. Yep. Um, so those are my three things. Let's, let's, go, let's go finish this thing, man. And for me, it's going to be getting off to an early start. Get out, yep. get ahead early, suck out all of their energy. Make it seem after the first quarter that it's hopeless for them to win. Liter- like, I literally mean like, a mentality of beating them a hundred to zero. That would be great. Come out of the gates like that. I really, really liked the early substitutions that Budenholz were made. Like I said, it was like four and a half minutes into the game. Um, I would not at all be opposed to switching and putting Bobby Portis back on the starting lineup, whether Robert Williams plays or not. Um, putting Bobby Portis back in the starting lineup. I haven't. I've looked. I haven't seen anything official about Middleton, whether he's going to play or not. My guess is with them up three to two, if it's anywhere up in the air, like if it's anything less than like 70 30 chance that he has to play, don't play him. Would you play him, yes or no? I like say he was 50 50. (laughs) 
I wouldn't play him. I'm sorry. That's the winning comment right there. That's the winning comment right there. Smart look like you got to throw it by Uncle Phil. That's the winning comment, bro. <laughs> I wouldn't um, play him either. I would play it if, safe. I mean, if you, you've proven you can win in Boston anyways. You've won two right. games. So if you lose one at home, that would really suck. But I feel like the Bucks can go in Boston and win again, which sounds it, crazy. But being I an elimination game for Boston, and like you said, they've shown that they can do it. Like, like I said, if he's anything less than eighty percent, I say no. I agree. I um, think if you let him rest, you give him those you know three four extra days like you're talking about. Yep. Bring him ready for game one, um, and. I hope the 76ers win tonight, so that series goes seven, yep. so it'll be even more rest. Um, but, yeah, either way, I would give him the extra rest. I think what I saw for series is if um, <laughs> if Miami wins, they would start on the 15th, which would be Sunday. And if they lose the series, or if they lose, and then the game seven happens, or no, the game would be on the 15th. If Philly wins, the game would be on the 15th, and then if they win again, it would be the 17th would be game seven. So they probably wouldn't start till like next Wednesday. So the Bucks could potentially give themselves like five days of rest if they win tomorrow. And that series between Philadelphia and Miami ends up going seven. That would be massive. Absolutely massive for this Bucks team right now. Because that, that way you could come in from, you know, Middleton coming back and you have five days to work him back into your game plan. He Whereas can get if a you try to in even if you try to rush him back tomorrow. You're also disrupting a, a, the game plan that you've had for this entire series. Mm-hmm. You've been game planning for Boston, what we're going to do without Chris Middleton. You try to bring him back for a game six. I'm not saying it's going to disrupt chemistry because that chemistry is there. It's built in. It is locked in. But everybody's mindset of, you know, we're playing this series without Middleton. If, if you just wait, you bring him back for the next series. And then you're just as you're moving forward, like Chris Middleton joins you and you move forward together. I will say this. I hope when Chris comes back that – we don't just give him the ball and everybody's kind of like, oh, okay, Chris is back, so he can make all these shots. Mm-hmm. Let's just let – like, no, let's let's continue the ball movement. Yep. Let's continue the pick and rolls. Let's continue the, the open shots. Like, yep. let's just play within the flow of the offense. Having Chris back will be great, though, because it will just add to that, you know, spreading of the floor. I think it will help in those fourth quarters where it feels like guys are gassed and, you know, it seems like nobody can get a bucket. Like, Chris Middleton's the guy you go to in those situations. Stud, dude. Drew Holiday hit a mid-range in Chris Middleton like last night. He did in Marcus Smart's face. He didn't even like player of the year. Yeah, like he he contested it. He was close, but good offense beats good defense every time. Every time. Yep, I've said a whole bunch of times about multiple sports. It's true. All right, you ready to switch to baseball? Yes, sir. All right. So from one Milwaukee team to the other. A lot less fun to talk about the Brewers, but it's still early in the season. We're mm-hmm. barely a month in. So let's start with the second game of the Reds series. The first Red series. Yeah. Um, good or lucky? Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. That's what I've always heard. Um, but this uh, 18-4 to game was crazy. Um Telez had the game of his life right after I made him my player of the week. Yep. So I feel like Wisco Fanatic vibes are getting into this Milwaukee Brewers team yep. here. Um, yeah, he went crazy. Eight RBIs, which was franchise tying. Two home runs. Uh, that was Carantine, the franchise lead I saw. 
yeah, franchise yeah. record. Yeah, record, I meant. Uh, Carantini had two RBIs. Peterson had one. Wong had one. Yelich had two. And McCutcheon had four. I'm at four, and you're nowhere near the top guy in RBIs for the day. That's crazy <laughs> to me. Um, Wong also had a home run. Uh, Peralta, five innings pitched. Uh, five hits, three on runs. Two walks, seven Ks. So it's a decent outing. I uh, didn't really have to worry about much because he got 18 runs. If, if think about this, and this is, I feel so bad for Corbin Burns. I don't know yeah, how many no. games it's going to take for Corbin Burns to get 18 runs of run support in one game. I'm being serious when I say that. Ten? It might. It seriously might. I feel so bad for Burns because he's so out there I, like going crazy. Just on this specific thing about Burns not getting run support, it's the same last year as Brandon Woodruff not getting run support. Yeah. Your top pitcher in your rotation, other teams are going to try to line their top pitcher against your top pitcher, whether it means skipping a day off, whether it means having a six-man rotation, whether it's just the way that the days kind of stack up. Cody's getting ahead of me on Yelich, but other teams are going to try to have their best pitcher match up against your best pitcher. Mm-hmm. That's and why he's a Cy Young award winner, so yeah. pretty good. So, I mean, yeah. Um, Yelich is just... 0.020 off his career average. He's got some other stuff going for his season so far this year. I'm going to get into a little bit later. Spoiler alert. But um, like Jake said, Freddie Peralta had a solid outing. Um, Wong started this game with a 12 pitch at bat before hitting his home run. That's crazy, bro. 12 pitches. Like, huh. Andrew McCutcheon just keeps driving in RBI. Freddie came out better in the second inning, struck out the side. And then in the bottom of the third became the Rowdy Tellez game. <laughs> Hit a grand slam. Yeah, absolutely smoked that grand slam. That ended up being the Wisco Fanatics play of the week was Rowdy's grand slam. Mm-hmm. Um, Red scored one in the top of the fifth. Um, Freddie finished the five innings pitch, five hits, two walks, three earned runs, and seven strikeouts. Trevor got. He's been a really pleasant surprise this year. He's yeah, he he's pitching almost perfectly so far. Um, John El Gustave and Hobie Milner each pitched a scoreless inning. Um, Andrew McCutcheon finished four for five in this game. And then my stat of the week ended up becoming Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez became the first teammates since 1920 to have four hits, three extra base hits, and seven RBI in the same season. And they both did it within nine days. That's crazy. That is crazy as hell. Wow. Those were our power pair guys from last Wednesday. And then that's what they're doing. I'm that's telling you, Wisco Fanatics energy is just <laughs> going into that Milwaukee Brewers locker room right now, man. Um so they got eight more runs or four more runs in the bottom of the eighth inning just by playing small ball. Um it yeah. Rowdy Telez, four for six, eight RBI. Insane. Absolutely insane. Um, I feel like Rowdy be an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> if To me, if Rowdy played even like half a smidge of defense, it would be a lot better for his favor. But, I mean, like Rowdy basically anywhere else is going to be like strictly a DH. Yeah. Um. We've, we've said it before, and we love Rowdy Telez, and Jake loves Rowdy Telez, but he's got the agility of a refrigerator. He does, bro. He's built like a <laughs> fridge, bro. He probably goes in the fridge a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. I go in my refrigerator a lot. 
<laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. He doesn't play defense. All right. Let's go to the third game of that Reds series. Back-to-back double-digit scoring outings. That's crazy. Um, this was the game where I was texting you. Uh, the Brewers took over the lead for most runs in the NL, and people were still complaining about the bats. Uh, yep. but, well, they're doing it against AAA teams. Yeah, whatever. Screw you. Matt, um, you're setting the bar super low by saying more agile than Vogelback. <laughs> does, Vo- does Vogelback even know what the word agility means? Uh. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but in this game, RBIs, Yelich had two, Taylor had one, Adamas with four of them. Uh, Telez with one, Urias with one, and Her- Hira with one. Uh, home runs. We had a lot of home runs in this game. Uh, Yelly, Taylor both had one. Adamas had two of them. Uh, Urias and Hira both had one. Uh, Hauser didn't have his best outing. Um, actually, last night he didn't have a very good outing either. Yeah. But, but, I mean, he'll get back to it. I trust Adrian Hauser. Um, got pitched really well in this game, too. Back-to-back days with him looking really, really good. Boxberger, Williams looked good. And... Milner, one inning, uh, one hit, no earned. So when you break it down, the Brewers dominated the Reds as they should. So this is the game where Yelich, it feels like Yelich was really hitting the ball hard, even when he's making outs. Mm-hmm. Yelich had seven consecutive at-bats of balls that he put in play, exited off the bat over 100 miles an hour. That's crazy. I got more for Yelich later, but this game... Yelich has been on fire, dude, in my opinion. He's been playing really well. Except for yesterday. But other than that, yes. Um, Or not not yesterday. The day before yesterday was the game he had. Um, We're getting ahead. It's the next Red Series. (laughs) Um, Another slow top of the first inning. Three earned runs all came with two outs. Just kind of becoming a theme with the Brewers is not getting that third out. I don't know what it is. And then there's some errors thrown in there, too. That happens in some of these games. Um, All right. You already see the trend for the playoffs, dude. You already see it. I don't like it. Just like the Packers. Just like the Packers special teams, bro. And we talked about the Bucks turnovers. This is is the Brewers thing this year. It better not be errors. That would irritate me. Or or getting the third out. The third out, yeah. Or walks has been an issue. Yeah. Um, but Luis Urias makes it the second day in a row with a leadoff home run, and then Yelich turns around and makes it back-to-back home runs to start the game off. So yeah. we got that going for us. Yeah. <laughs> Rowdy Telez still scorching the ball. I think he missed two or three home runs last week by, like, this much. Yeah. Like, six inches or less from the top of the fence. And See, I don't know if it's the ball or what, but – what I've read is that um, once it starts getting warmer and the humidity goes up, then the ball might start flying farther. So it could be the cold temperatures that are causing the ball not to fly as far. Mm-hmm. That's that's only one report that I read on the dead ball that they're using right now. Okay, Stop well. changing the freaking baseball. Like, <sighs> Yeah, Matt, I agree. The errors and the walks will be cleaned up. You know, I don't I don't feel the need to put a deadline on it because they're still they're still gonna have great pitching and the hitting is getting there. It's getting going. Like they scored twenty one runs in three games in this most recent series with the Reds. So I'm not super concerned about it. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on for now and it's it's costing them games here and there right now. Um the Brewers hit six home runs in this game, ended up being 
Um, Adrian Hauser, five innings, seven hits, four walk or four runs, six strikeouts. <sighs> That's a okay game, I guess. But you get to Christian Yelich, he was three for five with a home run. Willie Adonis was two for four with two home runs. Mm-hmm. Jace Peterson and Rowdy Telez each had two hits. And Tyrone Taylor, the first home run of the season for him, he turned on a fastball that was like way up and inside. Like if you're like if this is the strike zone, like it's up here, like on his hands, and he just turned on it fast as hell and put it over the fence. That's why he's like, a professional. <laughs> that's like he's got that in him. Yeah. He's got this year and next year to prove it. Yep. Otherwise, there are three dudes nipping at his heels for outfield playing time. Yep. Because it's it's Garrett Mitchell, Sal Frelick, and Joey Weimer. Those three are all nipping at at Tyrone Taylor's heels to be the next guy that gets playing time in the outfield. Mitchell was our first round pick not too long ago, right? He was the first round pick in twenty twenty. Sal Frelick was our first round pick in twenty twenty one. And Joey Weimer, I'm not I don't remember when he was picked, but he's really young too. He's got some hair flow to him. Sal oh. Frelick Sal Frelick is a little guy. He's really oh. little. Oh no, he's got hair flow. Joey Weimer has hair flow. I'll send you something. Like he's like hitting oh, fingers no. and in double A. Like Joey Weimer's got some juice. God damn it, he might he oh he might become one of my favorites then, dude. Oh. <laughs> I'll send you some Joey Weimer highlights so you can watch him. But he's gonna be right. it's probably gonna be Sal Frelick that becomes the first one of those three that makes it to the majors. And then, you know, between Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer. But like I said, with these three, I'm super excited for the Brewers outfield in 2024. So excited. Oh, it's going to be so good. And they all got, like, cannons and all have range. Uh, And that's what I'm saying, Matt. Somebody has to replace Lorenzo Cain next year. So it's probably going to be Tyrone Taylor is going to step into the starting role. And then they're going to bring somebody up to be the main backup Backup, utility outfielder. And then 2024, whether they call up one or both of the other two and they just use Yelich as the primary DH at that point. Yeah. Although, I've, hey, Yelich has been flashing the leather lately, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell bit. you that. It's been flashing the leather. Well, I mean, you don't have to use him for the DH every single game. Like, you still have guys days off. But next he is going to get older. So, right. <clears throat> next season, no McCutcheon and no Lorenzo Kane. They're both free agents. So. Basically, going to be two outfield spots up for grabs. Tyrone Taylor's probably going to get the primary, the primary work there as far as center field is concerned. But there's going to be guys nipping at heels. So Tyrone Taylor's got to start putting it together. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. He's he's ultra talented, man. I think I believe in he him. is. Yeah, I believe in him. I agree. All right, let's go to game one of the Braves series. Yeah, Brewers won this one six to three. Uh, sadly, they're only winning the series. Oh, um, yeah. But Eric Lauer just continues to deal. Uh, not a big fan of his three walks, but those are the only three walks that our pitching staff gave up. He had eight Ks. Um, it's crazy how how fast Lauer became a strikeout pitcher now. <laughs> like, he went from, like, a, a ground awesome. ball pitcher to, like, strikeout. Oh, I'm so here for it. I'm loving Eric Lauer. Yeah, he's – I'm I'm about to jump on the, on the Lauer hype train. I'm not going to lie. I defended the Trent Grisham trade for two years, and now Eric Lauer is, like, just – Coming in with a big old like fireball of truth, like boom! That trade was way in favor of the Brewers. Yeah, he's hitting like one sixty five this year. Ugh, he's not like Luis Urias had a better offensive season than Trent Grisham did last year, and then Zach Davies was on two other teams. Yeah, that's and we have bad. Eric Lauer. <laughs> yeah, Lauer is dealing like straight up. Lauer is yeah. dealing this year. Um, RBIs in this game. 
Kane, Yelly, Adamas. That's three straight days where Yelly is producing um, yep. RBIs. So that's a really, really good sign. Telez with two of them. Uh, we ain't hit any home runs in this game, but Hader got his 11th save. Um, Gustave looked good. Boxberger. I'm a really big fan of Boxberger. Me too. Um, he looked really, really good in this game. And I thought the Brewers were going to take two or three after they took the first one, but obviously that's not what happened. So with this game, um, Willie Adamas made like a nuts jumping catch in the bottom of the fifth inning of this game. Um, so he's still showing the – He's still showing the leather as well. Um, like, like the Brewers played like a really complete defensive game in this one. Uh, Luis Urias looked good on defense. Adamas looked good on defense. Lauer was dealing. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, he moves well for 35 years old. Yeah, He's getting around the bases pretty quick. Um, the Brewers scored four of their runs with two outs. So something that kind of an Achilles heel for the Brewers at times. They did to the Braves. The Bucks or the Bucks, the Brewers won this game despite being two for fourteen with runners in scoring position. Yeah, yeah, that's gross, and they still were able to win. So that's something where like, that's what a good team does. You know, mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes down to losing games to the Reds or you know, say they lose an opening series to the Cubs, like this is something that good teams do is that they win when they don't play well. Mm-hmm. So, On the road. On the road too, so that's that's encouraging. Um, Christian Yelich, Rowdy Telez, um, Colton Wong, and Hunter Renfro all had two hits in that game, and like you said, Josh Hader still perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get the this is uh, this is the Corbin Burns game. So this is yeah. one where it's like, oh, why can't Corbin Burns get any run support? Because they're going up against Max Freed. If you don't remember, yes. Matt, he did hit the 500 career strikeouts. Um, getting getting ahead of me. Uh, I thought that was until the Reds. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's, that's why I said he's getting ahead of me. <laughs> All right. Um, this is the – it's basically a playoff matchup because that yeah. was game one of the playoffs last year. It was Corbin Burns versus Max Freed. And it was a – I think it was two to one the Braves won. Um, we appreciate – oh, and there's Matt. See, that's – the Reds, that's why we have Reds, Braves, and Reds again. Um, appreciate you watching from Greece. That's awesome. We love seeing that you are commenting from there because it's it's really cool that we can say that people across the world, literally across the world, are watching our show. So we really I appreciate it. I feel bad I can't say your name, but I have a really vanilla name, so you can say mine. <laughs> hey, if you throw just throw your pronunciation in the comments, and every time you comment, I can say it perfectly. In Nashville, I wanted her to get me a sound jersey. Huh? That'd be all right. That'd be That'd cool. Be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Burns six innings pitched. He did give up six hits. Mm-hmm. Um. Only resulted in two runs. Only one of them was earned. Um. And he mm-hmm. had seven strikeouts. Two errors in this game hurt, and unfortunately, it gets a loss hung on Corbin Burns. It sucks. This yep. is similar to quarterbacks, which I have said wins should not be a pitcher stat. Quarterbacks can't go play defense, which is part of winning. Pitchers can't play defense, which is part of winning. And pitchers don't even get to bat anymore, much less when they did. How much were they affecting games? Hardly ever. Right. And you're going to hang wins and losses on one guy in a sport with nine players defensively and nine guys batting, one of them which isn't even the guy in question who gets hung on the wins and losses. I, mean, I, will, then, I will say it till the day I die, quarterbacks and pitchers 
wins are not an individual stat in baseball and football. And then think how many pitchers you use. Sometimes you use five, six pitchers in a, in a game. So how that how one pitcher gets hung with the loss, I can understand if they give up a bunch of runs. But right. truly, they shouldn't get the wins and losses. It should just be a team stat, straight up. It should be just a team stat. That's why it should be for football as well. But I, I always hated that. The Brewers had seven hits by six players. They just... It's it's like the Bucks with stops. The Brewers just got to put hits together, so they can get some here and there. They got to put them together. You got to stack them on top of each other, mm-hmm. and that's how you get runs. That's how in basketball you make runs. Mm-hmm. So you got to stack things together to make the runs happen. Um, and then eleven strikeouts and only one walk drawn. He, I don't know what you want to say about game three um, of that series. Nah, Bur- Burns pitched really, really well. Uh, Taylor and Renfro with RBIs. Renfro had a home run. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, just kind of bad luck for Burns. It's kind of going to be his year this year, I think. Well, and he's, like I said, he's the top of the rotation, so he's going to face other teams' top of their rotations more often than than bottom rotations. So and the Bre- Brewers are going to have to put some runs together at some point for him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then, you know, it gets to other games where the Brewers put up tons of runs and, you know, things happen. But uh, let's go to the third game of that series. I don't know what Aaron Ashby's deal is. Like, he's so up and down. Mm -hmm. He's so up and down. He only ended up having four innings pitched. Like, I don't know if it's that he's just – if he should be in the bullpen like they've done with with Burns and Peralta and Hayter, who ended up staying there. Um, and they just use them exclusively out of the bullpen. And, you know, because that could solve some of the issues there as well. Because they've been sending guys up and down. Like they called up J.C. Maya, um, who ended up kind of getting ahead a little bit. But uh, the, the third game of the Red Series, he ended up giving up a bunch of runs. There, there are so many moving pieces in this bullpen right now. If you just stick Aaron Ashby back in the bullpen and roll with your five-man rotation for a while... Yeah. Because it seems to be that Ashby's better out of the bullpen right now. You don't have to keep him there forever because you didn't with Corbin Burns. They started him in the bullpen in 2019. He struggled, and then he started pit- starting pitching in 2020. And now two years later, he has a Cy Young award. So yeah. maybe that's the path they need to take with Ashby. At least build him some confidence up, man. Bring him in for an inning. He doesn't allow a hit or a run or something like that. No walks, you know. Kind of just start building that slowly. I agree with you. Put him back in the bullpen. Um it does kind of hurt that Hauser's not pitching the best right now either, but you can kind of live with one of your five starters not being dominant. I mean, right. that's pretty normal. I mean, the the other three guys are pre- the other four guys. You know, now that Lauer's been so damn good, I mean, pretty pretty good in my opinion. You go from Lauer to Burns to Woodruff. Uh, I think a lot of teams would dream of that scenario. Seriously, I'm saying Freddie's hitting like ninety seven regularly now. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got the hair flow, too, by the way. Um, yeah, this just wasn't a great game. Uh, Gustave also gave up – he gave up three runs. Ashby gave up six runs. Uh, Brousseau with the solo RBI for the Brewers. The other RBI was Yelich grounding into a double play. Yeah. But other than that, it's just uh, one, of six, one of 162, man. That's how I'm going to choose to look at it. Yeah. And, you know, people will give you a flack for that, too. You know, it's always just 1-162. It's always 1-162. One of 162. Um, Woodruff is struggling. He's got a chance to turn around. He's probably going to be the starter on Saturday. So I'm not worried about Woodruff because his track record is so good. 
Um, I think he finished like fifth in Cy Young voting last year. So in a year where you're a month into the season on a late spring training start and a late season start, I'm not worried about three starts out of the 30 that he's going to end up making. I think they'll be all right. Um, Last thing on Ashby, it seems like he's struggling with his control. So they talked about this during the broadcast a couple times. It seems like he's struggling with his control, his control, his control. He's appeared in seven games so far this season, and in three of them he has four-plus walks. That's very bad. So I don't know if he's just trying to overthrow his pitches, if he's reaching back, trying to get a couple extra miles an hour. He doesn't have to. He can throw 97. You know, yeah. doesn't need to reach back extra to throw 98 and then end up missing his spot. And he's got a crazy moving slider that goes like 80 miles an hour. Like, he's got great stuff. Just needs some control, you know, with this being his first full year in the major leagues. Maybe that's something he gets corrected. As far as the Brewers pitching is concerned as a whole, they've done pretty well developing it. So I'm perfectly content giving guys benefit of the doubt when it comes to pitching that have Mm -hmm. a track record of pitching well because Mm -hmm. the Brewers have done such a good job of developing pitching. Yeah. If there's one thing the Brewers have done, that's definitely that, I will say. Yeah. Um, Brent Suter did pitch two score scoreless innings and Hobie Milner pitched a scoreless inning he's been a pretty decent pitcher for the most part Hobie Milner has um but you know one out of three on the road it's better than getting swept I guess um Ashby went back and forth with contacts and glasses yeah that's a issue that I've never had to deal with so I can't really speak a whole lot on what what that actually does for a guy I can look it up like, if, if people want to know if that's something that really causes issues, I can look it up. I can ask my wife. She hasn't worn contacts, but she wears glasses. I don't know the difference I, that, but... I will tell you, Chantel tells me she cannot see shit with other glasses. So, that's th- probably something that actually could affect them. I won't lie. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know what wearing contacts is like either, because I've never had to do that either. Yeah. Um, I've been blessed. <laughs> no <laughs> contacts. <laughs> I, yeah, Matt, I have I have no idea. I can I can look into it and see. That's and not see crazy out of the realm, in my opinion. Right, it's not crazy. So, all right, so let's go to the Reds again series. Uh, well, this is the first of two games where we gave up double digits to the Reds. What uh-huh. the hell? Uh, they, yeah, they, we, they just beat the Braves in a series too, though. So, yeah, I know, I know. Um, well, in this one, Woody, you know, beat, he did. I think they beat the Dodgers in a series too. They're they're like three. I think they're on like three straight series wins now. September 11th game. Jake and I do want to go to that game. Yeah, the, Giannis, the Giannis Brewers bobblehead. Yeah, we want to go to that one. Yeah, but now the the Packers schedule is coming out too, and now I got to spend all this money on Packers tickets too because I got to bring my stepson to the Patriots game, which is apparently week four. And then That's I want to go to the Rams game. game. Yeah, it's not a cold one, but I want to go to the Rams game, which is going to be a cold weather game. And then. I wanted to go to the Bears game again, but that one's so early. It's like, ah, uh, I like I like when Bears Packers at Lambeau is in December. It just feels right. It doesn't feel right in September to me. But we'll get there probably next week. We could do something with the schedule. Um, but Brewers Reds, uh, Woody only had four and a third pitched, uh, eight hits, five earned runs, two walks, and six Ks. Not his best stuff. Um, got looked good. Gustave looked all right. Milner got hit around a little bit in this one, and Boxberger, again, looked like a stud. Uh, zeros across the board for him, except one strikeout, one inning pitched. Uh, RBIs, Peterson, Taylor, Navarez, uh, all at one. Telez with two again. The guy's just seeing the baseball well. That's just yep. plain and simple. And Navarez with a home run. 
Um, outside of that, Woody just has to get his stuff back, man. That's it. Yeah, like I said, he's he's struggled his last few starts, but I'm not as concerned about three or four starts out of what ends up being a grand total of 30. Yeah. So it's it's that's it's the sample size thing. You know, it's it's a bummer that he's off to a slow start in the season, but unless he gets to the All Star break and he has like a 5.50 ERA or something like that, like I'm I'm not even looking at the panic button on Woodruff yet. Um, Brewers stranded five runs or five base runners in this game, four of which were in scoring position. You strand four guys in scoring position, obviously it's not going to win you games. Um, it was really the fifth inning that blew this game up. So the fifth inning went double, walk, double, three-run home run, single, before even recording it out. Ay, ay, ay. So that was rough. Like you said, Trevor Gott and Brandon Box, um, Brad Foxberger, kind of like the lone bright spots. Gott came in and finished the fifth inning, and Foxberger threw a scoreless eighth. And we're on to the second game of the Reds again series. <sighs> they tried to blow this one. I will tell you that right now. Uh, Williams did not look good in this game. He did, uh, he, and then he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he got two outs, and then all of a sudden it was like he forgot how to pitch, and his pitch count got – did he hit 40? 34. I think it was 34. Yeah, but it was it was getting up there. I started. I was watching the pitch count, and I was just like, holy shit, dude. He's not going to be able to pitch for like a week. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Peralta looked good. Uh, Suter came in for a third of an inning. He looked you know, very good. Boxberger, he honestly, if Hader didn't exist, Boxberger would probably be my favorite pitcher in the bullpen just because he just comes in and he just doesn't. I liked him all year last year. He was one of the Brewers' most consistent pitchers all year last season. He's looking like that right now this year, too. One of the more consistent guys. He just comes in and does his job. So happy we brought him back. Yes, that was was a great great re signing. Yes. Um, After Boxberger, Williams came in, and, you know, like he said, he looked good and he didn't. Uh, Perdomo came in, and uh, your boy Urias had to make a crazy play. Was it Urias that made the crazy play? Yeah. Yes. Yep. It was, was Urias that, that made the crazy point. catch. Yep. And then Hader had to come in, still perfect. He got saved number 12. Uh, Urias also had a home run in this game and an yep. RBI, um, along with Adamas, Carantini, Peterson, and Wong. But I don't know what's going on with Williams, but he's really got to figure he, he He's kind of reminded me of Ashby where he, said, he has good stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're just not trusting it. Like you got to trust your stuff, man. I, I don't know. It's just it feels like a really weird start to the season. I'm glad the Brewers are still over 500 with their weird start to the season. Yeah. Like, you know, if if the Brewers were like three or four games under 500, I'd be like, all right, yeah, but it's been kind of a slow start. So like, I'm confident they can turn it around. Mm-hmm. But the Brewers are having these issues here and there. Like like Devin Williams, he gets two two innings or two outs in the inning, and then gives up three runs. Like. It's and all the walks too. Like it's not just been Ashby and Williams that have struggled with walks. Like Hauser struggled with walks at times. Obviously, we mentioned Ashby struggled with walks at times. Like there's been games where guys have three, four, or five walks. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a bad start. Like guys, and the thing with relievers too is they don't pitch nearly as much as the starters do. So they have even less. You know live at bats that they pitch because they don't pitch you know 90 pitches a game they're pitching 10 15 20 30 yeah well and then think about the thing about williams is he's our setup guy so 
we could go, we could legitimately go four or five games with not needing him, and then mm-hmm. he still has this bad taste in his mouth from this bad, you know, appearance. Right. I think that's what it was too. I think it was like four, like four days because they hadn't pitched since like the previous Thursday, up until Tuesday's game. Yep. So it was like four days in between. And Scott, like you, like I said, it's like it's not just Devin Williams that's walking, guys. It's all of the Brewers so far this season have had walk issues. Um. You know, hopefully we can we can start to see guys reel that in. Um, but yeah, giving giving up walks is just it's it's free base runners. Mm-hmm. So um, the Brewers did draw seven walks in the second game of that series, struck out eight times. Um, you know, it's better, but the drawing seven walks is is nice. Welcome to see. Um, Freddie Peralta was really good in that game as well. On the Brewers, ugh, the Brewers stranded eleven runners in that series, in that game. Ugh. They ended up winning by one, but they stranded eleven. That's not good. That's uh, that's a yikes for me. And <laughs> then we get into we get into the third game of that series. Let's talk about the third game of the Brewers Reds again. Well, Hauser was a yikes for me too. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he did struggle with walks. He had four walks, three strikeouts, uh, six hits, uh, three earned runs, four innings pitched. Uh, Milner, he gave up one hit, one run. Suter in his inning gave up two hits, no runs. Uh, Perdomo pitched pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not even gonna talk about the other guy because five earned runs is is bad. That's really really bad. Yeah, that's JC Maya. Yeah, that's bad. Um, but RBIs, obviously the man of the hour, Christian Yelich, had three of them. And three is also the number of this game because he also had his third cycle. Uh, Peterson had one, Renfro two, Narvaez, Telez, Urias, all with one RBI, and Brousseau with two. Uh, we had three, four home runs in this game. Yelich, Peterson, Renfro with two, and Brousseau with one. So Brewers were hitting the ball, but the Reds were also hitting the ball. So they became the third team. Like I said, three was the number of this game. They became the third team this year in the Major League Baseball to score double digits and lose. So that kind of sucks. Um, other than that, I mean, Kristen Yelich, guy was crazy. Yeah, and so two things. Scott, definitely Bucks in six. We spent probably like an hour talking about the Bucks to open the show. Mm-hmm. And Matt, the, the thing with Hauser is, yes, he gave up. He gave up seven runs, three earned. Only three of the seven were earned, but it's the it's the six hits and the four walks that really turn me off from Hauser in this game. Yeah. Um, he's another one similar to Woodruff. He's had a couple bad starts now, but in the grand scheme of a the Brewers developing pitching really well, b Hauser having a track record of being a good pitcher, and c it's still being early in the season. We're barely over a month in. And guys are making three, four, five starts in what's going to end up being 30-plus starts. Mm-hmm. So still, you know, trying to keep in the context and the perspective that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot more to the season to go yet. There's a lot of season left. And um, the track record and the development have earned the benefit of the doubt to not freak out after three consecutive, you know, questionable starts. Um so, the Brewers were able to make the Reds sweat it out a little bit in the ninth. They scored, what, five runs before they recorded an out? Um, yeah, and like, Scott, that's a really good way to look at it. It's a lot of time. You just need to stay consistent. 
need to get better at the things that they're doing well and then trying to reel in the things they're struggling with. And like I said, with the Brewers, what they've done, I trust that that'll be the case. Um, so I mentioned Hauser, seven runs, only three of them earned. Um, he did have a solid outing two starts ago. So he's had back-to-back kind of rough outings, but before that he had a really good one. He was he was pitching really well. Um, and J.C. Maya just called up the Brewers. That's why this is the reason that I suggested moving Ashby back to the bullpen. So Maya was just called up, pitched an inning and a third, three hits, three walks, gave up five runs. This is really sucks because I really like his stuff. Jake Cousins is currently going to be out six to eight weeks. He's rehabbing his elbow because he's trying to avoid Tommy John surgery. So that's an arm the, the Brewers really miss in these types of situations where you need just a one-inning guy. Not being able to throw Jake Cousins in there sucks. It's a bummer that we can't have him in there, and that's where maybe moving Ashby back to the bullpen, whether it's you know, pitching three innings after a starter doesn't do well or pitching just an inning to bridge to Boxberger, Williams, and Hader. Whether you want to switch Williams and Boxberger, like I I'm not, not I wouldn't be mad at it and just let Williams pitch a non pressure situation. Mm-hmm. However you want to handle that I'm fine with. Um I trust Craig Council to manage the bullpen. Um if Ashby goes to the bullpen, I think they roll just five starters for a while. Like, they have an off day today, so I didn't feel that they needed to start Ashby in the third game of the Braves series, in my opinion. But I understand why Craig Council does it. Because, yes, it you know it gets you to a point where it's like, yeah, he'd be useful in the bullpen, but nobody's going to be complaining that Council is using a six-man rotation when you get into September and all of your starters are still healthy because they haven't had as many innings on them. True. So that's that's where I defend Council in the six-man rotation is that it keeps everybody healthy. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to say the name that's going to be the one that's going to be eventually called up because I don't want it. It's too early on it yet. Um, I brought it up when we did the Brewers primer. The name, the name to keep an eye on is Ethan Small. So he's in double A right now. He's pitching super extremely well. Um, he's going to be up at some point i hope it doesn't take an injury for him to get called up but i know they want to get him some more experience before he gets brought up and then whether you put small in the bullpen and you keep ashby starting or you put ashby back in the bullpen and you let small make a start or two um council said it before the season that ethan small is going to get some starts he's going to make starts for us this season was his exact quote so he's a guy to keep an eye on but right now in the middle of May, I think it's still a little bit too soon. I think once we get to June, then maybe we see potentially Ethan Small called up and sent back down, whether it's just for a spot start or putting him in the bullpen and leaving Ashby as a starter. Maybe you get nuts and you put Ashby and Small together and you have Ashby as an opener and then you let Small pitch two or three innings. I don't, you know, whatever the case may be, we can look at the schedule and see where the Brewers have a big stretch of games where they have no off days. That's maybe where you see Ethan Small get called up and a Luis Perdomo or a J.C. Maya or a John Gustave or Miguel Sanchez or Hobie Milner sent down for a day and Ethan Small called up for a day. Um, so, you know, any of those situations, Ethan Small is probably the one to keep an eye on. <clears throat> All right. Let's do real quick. We got our power pair. Who do you have for your power pair pitcher? 
Uh, pitcher, I have Corbin Burns. Um, I know his six hits that he gave up this week weren't great, but the one earned run with the seven Ks is something that I really like, especially against a really good Braves offense, uh, the defending champs on the road. I know he got a loss in that game, but I still feel like Corbin Burns deserves some love this week. Sure. So I got two guys that I want to throw from the bullpen. First is Brad Boxberger, um, three and two-thirds scoreless innings and no hits in those four appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is Josh Hader. Matt threw out there that he had the 500 career strikeouts. Um, he's came back from back spasms, and he hasn't missed a step. He's still perfect on saves. He's up to 12 for 12 now. Um, who do you have for your hitter? I think you know this. <laughs> I think I know. It's going to be Yelich. It's Yelich. Um, yeah, Yelich was 12 of 32, uh, which is a 375 batting average. Two home runs, eight RBIs. Uh, talked about it before. He tied the MLB record for most cycles in a career with three, and yep. he is the only person to do it against one team. So yep. he likes hitting against the Reds. Yeah, he does. Um, so I also have Yelich. It was he's the first guy to hit the cycle against the same team three times. He's only the fifth since 1901 to have three career cycles. He did it it's in like, like a four-year span. It's like Yelich, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, and then like two dudes that I had never heard of. So it's probably very old. Yeah, because um, they died like 50 years before we were born. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the thing I want to throw out there right now is that Yelich is currently at his third highest career um, hard hit exit velocity only to 2018 and 2019. Which he could have MVP seasons for both yeah, if he, he didn't get hurt at the end of 2019. Yeah. Uh, and he's also currently averaging a career high in barrel percentage. So Yelich is really seeing the ball well lately, and that bodes well for him and hopefully the Brewers' offense. He has been playing much better in this last recent stretch. Um, I know before, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, you brought it up. You talked about how he's just kind of just hitting the ball hard right at people. Yep. And eventually it's just going to it's going to end up starting to fall. So just keep taking yep. your good hacks at it and see what happens. So just keep hitting the ball hard. Yeah, and he's he's starting to starting to, you know, get some success from that approach. All right. You got anything else you want to say? Uh Bucks and Six, uh, they better wrap they be, they better wrap this shit up tomorrow night, man. Um other than that, uh, hopefully the Brewers can start stringing some wins together, winning some series, and then uh, yep. <clears throat> we'll probably be going on to Miami. We'll be talking Bucks yep. versus Miami. Well, the Brewers are going to Miami too, so yeah. Um, so the Brewers start a three-game series against the Marlins tomorrow. Then they have three at home against Atlanta and three against um, the Washington Nationals. So, uh, Scott, we talked about Middleton. Probably not tomorrow night. If they had a game seven, maybe. Um, but yes, Tim, go Sixers. Um, as the weather gets warmer, I think Yelich is going to start hitting a lot of dingers. That's very possible. If the ball, you know, how many home like balls have been hit like a hundred miles off the bat at a good launch angle that ended up just being deep flyouts. <laughs> um, yeah, the Brewers are there to scout the heat for the Bucks. Hey, I'm all right with it. Just you know, that Milwaukee to Milwaukee communication, they can go to each other's games and have fun <laughs> there. Yes, sir. All right. Well, so like I said, let's hope the Bucks can get that win tomorrow night. Wrap that series up and have some rest, and be able to get everybody healthy and rested, and get Middleton back healthy and be ready to move on. Yes, sir. 
Jace is hitting better. I think now that he's back in his natural role as the super utility guy, that's that he's more comfortable. Um, Packers go to Tampa week three. Yeah, the schedule like just came out, so um, yeah. we'll see. Gonna... We'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, maybe I we think can next... talk about it a little bit. We can talk about it, and then um, when we do our primer, that's when we'll do our record prediction and you know which yeah. games we're looking forward to. Most. We'll talk. We'll talk some some Packers, but. Going to Tampa week three. Good. Get that shit over with early, because I don't want I don't want that sitting in the back of Rogers' mind. Fourteen and three, a little too soon. Too soon to make record predictions. We got to get through training camp and stuff before I make a record prediction. I want to, but I'm gonna hold on to it. But yeah, right now. Right now, the focus is Bucks and six, and getting some improvement <laughs> from the Brewers. So that's where my focus is at. All righty, man. Well, we will be back Agreed. on our regular Wednesday next week. So I will see you on Wednesday. Peace out, my man. All right. Thanks everybody for watching from everywhere. Appreciate yes, it. Sir. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.